All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Venus and Mars podcast. You've got Anya Shack here. And today we are talking about something very interesting. This episode's called The Red Pill Trap. And for those of you that, that don't know what that is, we're going to get into it. And just to set up the episode a little bit, I'm someone that believes in men's work. I believe it changes lives, both for men and women. But when you think about men's work and you take a bit of a bird's eye view and you pretend like you just heard the words for the first time ever on CNN or any other news station, it kind of gets muddled with a whole bunch of other words that go on. Words like manosphere, words like incel, words like red pill. And men's work actually gets a little bit fuzzy and it kind of gets lumped into this big category of men's movement words. And I think that's where people get a little bit confused around what men's work really is. And so I'm very excited to create a very clear distinction here today on the episode. And I have a gentleman here with me who also has found his heart through men's work. He is a men's coach. He's a father of four. He's also an oil and gas electrician of 13 years. He is so warm and just kind and strong. And he makes me feel so excited every time I talk to him. His voice is so soothing. He is living in Australia right now. Matt pulled himself back from being a poor, communicating, unhappy workaholic who is close to losing his family. He now has this happy, fulfilling, connected life. And he knows and lives exactly the life that he deeply knew he could live. He just couldn't, couldn't quite figure out how to get there. So he's got almost a decade of experience in men's work and self-development, and Matt now helps men discover their values, vision, and purpose in life. He works with men who, like himself, have ticked a lot of the boxes for that blueprint of what life should be, yet find themselves unsatisfied, unhappy, empty, or with that thought, God, there's got to be more to life. And so without further ado, welcome, Matt. Thank you for the introduction. Of course. How are you today? I'm very good. It's nice and early in the morning for me, so still fresh. Yes. And can you pronounce your last name for me? Halson. Halson. Okay. I was putting a T in there, and I was like, I don't want to get that right. It's not Halston. It's Halson. For me, it is such an obvious spelling and pronunciation, but I grew up with it. The amount of people that put <laughs> Halston, Halsen with an E instead of an O, A-N, it's, it's just amazing how many people write it wrong. I'm like, wow, especially the way I say it, like Matt Halson. It's like, yeah, there's a hidden T in there, or there's a O, or there's a <laughs> yes. E, and it's it's so funny. It's like I can't hear it at all. It's the Aussie trade of like blending words together. So exactly, I can see how it. That's I why I hesitated it, earlier. I was like Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt, but I just didn't want to say your last name yeah. wrong. Matt Halson, <laughs> super stoked to have you here, and I'm excited to dive into this topic. I know you have a lot of wisdom and information, and just like very deep personal experience around the topic of men's work. And like I said, separating it from the kind of darker, evil second cousin of men's work. And so we'll talk about that. But first, I love to do something really fun at the beginning of all my episodes on Venus and Mars. And with members of the opposite sex, I always ask, what is your favorite thing about women? That is a good question. I don't really know. I don't really have an answer on like what my favorite thing about women is in general. But Probably my favorite thing about my wife is how well she compliments my life and how 
she has her own thoughts and ideas that are completely independent of mine that I don't necessarily understand. And she brings a grace and beauty to a differing life than what I live and how I get to see her embody the life that she wants to live. And it's amazing how the priorities are different to mine. Mm. And I love that. I love that, you know, I'm very big on everyone living a very unique lifestyle and a very unique version of themselves and women just do it completely different to men. So I guess that's probably an answer for in general is that women live very differently to men. And I love that. I love mm. that their priorities are different because I wouldn't necessarily want to be in a relationship with myself. I love myself and I love who I am, but you know, there needs to be balance and I'm a big believer in balance as well. So yeah, I like, I love that women have that capability of bringing balance to men and they, they provide a challenge to men to grow and be a better leader, a better man, a better father, but only if the man accepts that position. Mm, so beautiful. What would you say is just for using you and as, as an example, a top priority for your wife and a top priority for you and how they're different? Uh, well, my wife's top priority would be raising our kids. Mm. You know, that's her number one priority. And raising them means educating them. It means being patient with them. It means teaching them values and love and acceptance and all these things. And I, I would say my priority is directing the flow of the family. It's like, where are we going as a whole family? Not just as individuals, you know, so she can break it down to an individual level. I can do that too. But overarchingly, I need to look more big picture. So that's my priority. Mm. It's like, here's our family. Where are we actually going and how are we getting there? And how are we making sure that we stay together as a family throughout that mm. process rather than, you know, drifting apart and separating. So you can obviously see the difference there. You've got the feminine flow, the mm -hmm. uh, embodiment of emotion versus mm -hmm. the the logical brain and the structure, providing the structure there. So, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's beautiful. She's got like the nurturing and the connection and you've got the accountability and the directives. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's very nice. Thank you for sharing. And so let's jump into this episode, the red pill trap. I'm fascinated by this topic. I'm fascinated by the few decades that this has already been going on out in the world. And I'm curious, what do you think about the kind of misconception from someone that might not understand what men's work is and how they could potentially lump that into the same bucket with all of those other words and movements? I would say advertisement and marketing is probably the big thing people that have controversial views are the ones that get the most airtime. Mm. You know, it's always been the case in mm -hmm. papers and stuff. It's like anything that's supremely biased, let's publish it because it's going to upset people and people are going to engage. Mm. So I think that's why people see the red pill stuff more than they see the men's work. You only really start to see the men's work when you start looking for it. Mm. You know, that was the case for me. I found the red pill stuff by accident. Because mm. I was living in a victim mindset, I thought everything was happening to me and I found some people that were talking about it and I went, oh, like I agree with this. Mm. What else do I agree with? And I fell into it that way. Mm. And it wasn't until I went, something's not working here. What's actually healthy? What is actual like, what does healthy masculinity actually look like? And I started ignoring the red pill stuff and looking and expanding my horizons that I found the men's work, the actual men's work. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think the big reason that people fall into red pill first is it's easier. It is so much easier to 
to just go, everything's happening to me. Women just want this, you know, they're all into hypergamy and, you know, they're all just going to wait until the next best thing comes along and they're going to leave. So I just won't put on any effort because they're going to leave anyway. And, or they go, well, she's just going to cheat on me anyway. So I might as well cheat on her or she's going to take my money. So I'm just going to bail on this relationship. The moment it gets a little bit difficult, you know, that it's, it's, yes, it's difficult. There's difficulties in tearing apart families. There's difficulties in when divorce happens, everything, but it's still an easier option because you can literally run away from it. You know, you can go through the court dates. There's a finish date. You go, boom, all right, that's done. Now I can just go look for something else. When you choose men's work, true, true healthy masculine men's work, it's it's opposite to that. It's about building connection. It's about bridging those gaps. It's about having those difficult conversations and yeah. doing the exact opposite of running away. It's about sitting there, handling your emotions, handling your shit, and being able to have all those hard conversations and really look at yourself and how you're showing up or how you're not showing up is probably mm. more the point, right? Mm, absolutely. So back up for a second. Pretend I don't know anything. What is the red pill community? So I'm not that great with the history of it, but there's a, a few big names in the like sort of the red pill movement. And people mm -hmm. would say, you know, it all began with, you know, take the red pill, not the blue pill, you know, mm -hmm. like from the matrix and mm -hmm. wake up to the fact that all women are like this. And, you know, mm -hmm. it, it was this like hyper success driven masculinity. Mm. Um, sort of saying, you know, like women are an accessory and your primary focus should be on making money or having fun or sleeping around or whatever. Yeah. And that's where that red pill started to just sort of take off because people found yeah. it easy. They're like, oh, you know, well, you know, am, am I okay with swearing? I just want to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're okay, not, not cool. censored here. <laughs> All right. Cool. I just want to make sure. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's very much like a fuck women get money. Yep. kind of thing. And I think a lot of young men that have got fatherhood wounds, that have got motherhood wounds and stuff when they're young can resonate a lot with that because they're in pain. Mm -hmm. And one thing we know about pain is that hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. So, but they masquerade as, as though it's this, you know, the ultimate goal. It's, mm. it's okay because you're making money. It's okay because you're being successful. It's okay because you're being a man. And it's not until you challenge is it actually okay? Is it actually healthy? Like, is it actually hard or is it actually the easy option? And right. I started to look at it eventually. It's like, well, that's actually the easy option. So I don't like taking the easy route. I like to do the hard stuff and because yeah. I know that that's where the actual growth lies. Mm -hmm. So where's the, where's the hard stuff? And then I found that. So I think, mm. yeah, back to answering the question, I sort of went down a rabbit hole there. Perfect. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> The red pill movement, um, from from my perspective, is or from what I see, from what I hear, from a lot of the guys I see that associate with you mm -hmm. know the men like Andrew Tate, like Rollo Tomasi, like mm -hmm. um, is it Andrew Andrew Johnson? I might butcher his name. There's another guy. I know his Instagram things like Beach Muscles or something. I don't like to give these guys too much publicity, yeah. but yeah, you know those those guys that are you know they're they're very very strongly opinionated. They're some some of them are quite successful, and they've got very, very strong views and yeah. they push this notion that men are effectively better off without women or that women are an accessory, you know, and yeah. that's the whole thing. It's I see it as those communities are full of victims. 
Mm-hmm. They're full of victims. They're full of men that have been hurt or burnt in the past. Mm-hmm. And they're taking their experience and saying to everyone that, that, that will listen that, hey, yeah. this is going to happen to you because it happened to me. It's yeah, it's very much like an ego-driven thing of like, if it happened to me, it's going to happen to everyone else because it can't have just happened to me, right? Mm. You know, so I mm. see it. There's, there's a lot of ego involved. There's a lot of attacking and ad hominem arguments that happen and you know where it's like i don't want to argue the point i'm just going to call you a cuck or i'm just going to call you a soy boy or something like that it's like well all you're doing to me is showing me exactly where you're at and it's a very very immature level so i I see it as like this sort of root um low level entry into some form of growth because it still is as much as we might not agree with it, it still is very much a growth-based platform. It's like, don't do this, do this. And anything right. that sort of promotes doing something that brings a level of success or achievement or growth in an area is a growth-based system. So yep. it still is. And look, a lot of it, I agree with on one side of the picture. I agree with like, you know, you should have aspirations. You should be pushing yourself. You should be working hard. But it shouldn't be at the complete and utter exclusion of something else, especially something that can bring so much satisfaction, love and groundedness yeah. to your life. You know, it's yeah. Yeah. I, it, that, that part blows my mind now that I understand it at a much deeper level that astounds mm. me that people are just sort of going, okay, cool. We'll roll with that. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just a complete and total adoption of separation. It's like you're taking an entire group of an entire half of the population roughly and you're demeaning them to this tiny little fraction of something and you're ignoring their humanity, you're ignoring their layers and their levels. And it's kind of what radical little pockets of radical feminism does to men. It's the same exact thing just in the flip. And what's really fascinating to me is the reason that these types of things get so much headway in the media is because there's some nugget of truth or like even like a little grain of rice of truth, and they blow it up to the whole ocean. So for example, there's this really important study by David Buss, evolutionary biologist. He's someone I study all the time. There was the 37 culture study, and they did this about 30 years ago, and it's the most famous one that's been done. Basically, they were trying to understand sex differences between men and women and mating preferences. What are the mating preferences? Fascinating results across all 37 cultures the women wanted slightly older age and possibility for resource acquisition, right? So this idea of like, can you make me feel safe? Can you make me feel stable? Do you have a trajectory? Are you ambitious? All women want this. And on the male side, it was slightly younger age, youth, fertility, femininity, all of those things. And these are just truths that are real But I think what these groups like the red pill, which claims that all women are hypergamists and the radical feminists, which claim all men are misogynists, essentially they're taking that little nugget of truth and saying, this is all women are, or this is all men are. And like you said, because people, if they've been hurt in the past, they just want to blame and they want to make the person feel as small as possible if they haven't healed. And then in effect, you have something that sounds really real and it's easy Mm -hmm. to buy into. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth to saying like the greatest lies are the ones that are closest to the truth. Mm. You know, it's, Mm. there's so much truth in that. And that's how 
marketing works. That's how studies work. You know, it's like we don't study something truly to understand everything about something. We we kick off a lot of studies to try and prove that this one thing is true or that these handful of things are true. And then we take that and we go, well, this is fact. It's like it's not a complete picture. So what these two movements are painting is not a complete picture. Mm. And when all mm. when people are exposed only to that one side, they're going to treat it as fact. Right. And they're going to look in their life and they're going to look to see, hey, so many people are saying this. Therefore, I know it's true because there's some social proof behind it. You know, this famous person who's got, you know, 200,000 people followers or, you know, <laughs> 200 million views on YouTube yeah. is saying it. So it must be true. Where in my life is it true? And then they're going to look at things and go, well, might be this. They said, yeah, no, it's true. You know, one plus two mm. equals potato in a lot of cases. So mm. I look at that and, yeah, it's, yes, there's always truth to it. Yes, yeah. women can hurt you. Yes, men can hurt you. Yeah. Yes, you know, men typically take on a traditional masculine role by default. Yes, yeah. women typically take on a traditional feminine role by default. But all we tend to see is one end or the other. And mm. it's disappointing because there's a lot of women and a lot of men that are happy sitting in that happy medium and they're happy to yeah. work through their stuff. You know, they're yeah. happy to build connection and, and grow together because that's what relationships are. And the, the problem with these two ends is it removes the opportunity for growth. It very mm. much becomes mm. it's my way or the highway on both sides. And it's my way or the highway on both sides is quite literally going to turn into, okay, it's nearly always going to end up being the highway. Mm. You know, I was watching a YouTube video with like this guy, Rolo Tomasi, who's like the head guy and someone that is actually in men's work was saying something about, hey, you red pill guys, like keep doing what you're doing, but you're not like your your way is not the right way. Like call me in 10 years and see, like, I want to see how you're doing 10 years from now. Like, are you still going to be as miserable as you seem now? And I guess my question is, what do you think this guy gets from continuing this wave of thinking, these trains of thought? Like, what does he get fulfilled by that makes him not want to do what you did, which was go, wait, I'm actually really empty here. What do you think it is? A, I, I, he believes he's right. Mm. Um, and B, he believes he's helping people. So mm. when you're right and you know the answers and you're helping people, mm. that's a recipe for continuing. Mm. You know? And then the ego gets involved and the ego can definitely blind you from receiving additional input. And when you do that, you you exclude additional <laughs> new information from coming in, you're limiting yeah. your growth. So you're going to yeah. be stuck in the same circle. And then one other thing I've noticed is in those communities, even when those people are in other communities, they're the most vocal. They're all nearly always the most vocal and opinionated. So they they develop their own little communities and then it's this vicious cycle of self-validation. Yeah. Right. Where you put something out and like, you know, 200 guys validate yeah. it. You go, Yeah, absolutely I'm right. You know, they're not getting told frequently by these guys that, oh, hey man, you missed the mark on that. Yeah. And then they're going, Whoa, okay, what what's my belief system actually telling me here? And what needs to change? Is there something about what I'm projecting here that's wrong or is it coming from my wounding or from my childhood or something? Yeah. And look, and seeking to grow through it, they're just going, nah, you're all wrong. You all need to change your mind. Mm. So, yeah, I, I I don't necessarily know if it's, uh, you know, intentional misdirection in any way because, like we said, there's definitely truth to it. There's elements of truth to it. Yeah. 
but it's yeah you're definitely talking in a small pond right yeah. over most of the experience of most of the people is not what they're telling you it is <laughs> yeah it's just not you know and yeah. yes a couple separate and divorces happen and there's compatibility mismatches that get missed you know people have one night stands that turn into babies that turn into yep. marriage which would never you know that shouldn't happen and that's people making mistakes it's not yeah. this global conspiracy that women are going to get pregnant to you so they can take half of whatever you have and then leave and find someone better it's not mm. it's the human experience you know people make yeah. mistakes things happen that we can't control yeah. and you know learning to deal with that navigate that is yeah. the biggest challenge mm. so what was like the promise like what in that movement like had you say yes like i need to get that what's the promise that they like offer for a man in his life yeah good question again i'm not entirely sure because I've, it's been a long time since yeah. I sort of duck, stuck my toe into the water of it because, yeah. you know, I was only, I got caught up in it very briefly years ago and that very brief amount was enough to cause a lot of damage in my relationship. So I'm going to yeah. say it's 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 happiness, you know, their, their promise is that if you do things your way, you know, because it's the red pill, it's the MG mm. Tau, all that, it's like, like you do things your way, you're going to be happy. Well, you'll never get anyone, hurt. You'll never get hurt. You right. know, it's, you know, things will always work out best for you. You know, you, you're, you're strong, you're staunch. You can just leave whenever you want and you'll be okay. And, you know, when I was in a deep place and I had no direction, I didn't know what my values were. I was living way out of alignment with mm. the biggest or the best version of myself that I really wanted to live. I didn't know how to take my life from here and get myself to there. Mm. And when they say, just do whatever you want that you want to do and fuck everyone else, mm. you will get there and you'll be happy. Mm. Well, when you don't have any other option, that's the attraction is, well, the happiness is, is there. I just need to do whatever I want. Mm. Well, if you're listening to this and you're a man in a relationship who does not want to destroy that relationship, that is the worst piece of advice you'll ever get. Do not do that. Mm. It sounds like a nice guy would hear something like that and be like, Oh, I'm so sick of being nice all the time. I'm going to do whatever I want. And that would just be like cocaine for that guy. Yeah, that <laughs> was me. He's raising his hand right now. You guys. Yeah, that was yeah. me. So yeah, uh, the nice guys are completely different story. But to touch on it briefly, yeah, I was so ignorant to the fact that I had nice guy tendencies. And I'm a firm believer now that most men have definitely got nice guy tendencies. Mm. Um, some just tend to outwardly reject it and that becomes destructive but they still have the tendencies so for me it was like well i'm not a nice guy you know i'm not at work i'm i'm a bit of a dick you know i, I mm. stand my ground i tell people no i set all these boundaries about how i'm going to be spoken to and everything but i didn't realize i was doing it in my relationship mm. and then so when i was like well our relationship's not where i want it to be what's the problem and then you start hearing there's like well they're the problem you know, they're just taking and taking and taking from you and you're just mm. giving and giving and giving. Well, that was true, but it wasn't that they were taking it. It's that I was giving it all to them without knowing that I needed to be giving to myself first. So it's a bit of a misdirection. Again, it's a half truth. It's a, yes, yeah. they're taking, but they omit the point that these men that are sitting there going, my wife's taking everything. It's like, no, you're giving her everything. Yeah, She's not just taking it willingly. You're handing it to her and then whinging that she's accepting it. So 
Mm. That sort of was absolutely the case for me. And once I sort of had that realization, I went, oh, wow, like all of these problems that I'm having and all of these, this pain that I'm in and all these, this hurt that I'm causing is on me. It's mm. not on anyone else. Mm. You know, it is not yeah. on anyone else. It's not for my wife to be telling me, hey, you need to step up in this in this area. You know, she tried to her credit. She she definitely fucking tried. Yeah. I just wasn't prepared to listen because I was yeah. stuck in this victim mindset of like everything's happening to me. You know, it's like I don't want to hear that. Can but you- once I realized it for myself and I went, well, hold on, I'm lacking leadership. I'm lacking ownership. I'm lacking accountability. I'm lacking integrity. Mm-hmm. I'm lacking in all these areas. It's like, well, it's no wonder we're fighting all the time mm-hmm. because there's so much that I'm not saying and I'm not dealing with. It's leading to me getting resentful. She's feeling disconnected. And then she's getting resentful because she's missing the connection she desires. And then we start to clash heads and it starts to cycle all over again. Right. What's one of those areas that you like weren't stepping up in, but you didn't understand, you didn't want to listen, like you didn't know how, and you thought that she was kind of blaming you, or perhaps you were playing a victim in a certain area in your life. I'm just curious what an area like that is. I'd say finances is a big one for a lot of people, Um, you know, where it's because I've always been the the earner of the family once we started having kids and wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I fully supported that. Um, But then it came down to like how we're spending our money and she's at home with the kids all the time. She was doing most of the grocery shopping. She was buying the kids food and stuff. She was buying the curriculums for schooling and Mm -hmm. she was doing all this stuff and I was taking no control whatsoever over the budget. You know, I wasn't checking my accounts every day and checking where the money was going and sitting down with her and saying, Hey, look, this is how much we spent this month. This was our budget. We're at capacity. We can't mm-hmm. spend anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would sit there and she would continue to spend. Then I would get resentful about the fact that mm. the money's disappearing and then I can't get this thing that I wanted to get. But I never, I never took the initiative to have that conversation. Mm. And that's the experience for lots of guys. Lots of guys yeah. will be shitty to hear that or they'll be ignorant to it and they'll be like, No, we have conversations about money. I'm like, no, you probably fight about money. That's not having a conversation. That's not setting limits and having clear communication around an area of life, you know? Yeah. House chores can be another thing. You know, if one person's doing most of the cleaning, resentment charges can build because they're not feeling supported. They're not feeling helped. Um, And that's another one for a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, MG Tower and Red Pill guys is they're like, well, that's her job. It's like, well, have you had that conversation? Maybe right. it's a job that she hates. And are you sitting there wondering why she doesn't want to be intimate with you? You're making her do all this crap she doesn't want to right. do on her own. And then yeah. you're wondering like, oh, you're not serving me. It's like, mate, you don't deserve to be served if that's totally. how you're going to treat her. Because you know? if you treated her differently, she would probably very much want to do those things for you if that's something that she wanted. I love that. It's like you're saying there was never a negotiation. There was never a true mm. like declaration of who does what, how. And I think, you know, just coming out of the 20th century, like we're kind of in this new world now. There's a lot more to income families, right? But up until very recently, I do think a lot of men were taught and they bought into this idea of like, if I make money, that's it. That's literally my mm. job everything, nothing else matters. Like I can do whatever I want other than that. And I think that's where a lot of tension lies. That's how it was like in my family too. It's like growing up, my dad would be like, well, I make money. So like, leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Don't yeah. like nothing you say is important. 
And mm. I was in a relationship like that as well, where it was just like, I do whatever I want because I make plenty of money. And so that's so hurtful as a woman. Mm. It's so hurtful. It's like you feel completely unseen, unloved, misunderstood. It's just, it's so hard. And so of course the resentment builds. And of course she's not going to be mindful of the how much she's spending because you don't really care about her as far as she knows. I I love, I hate it, but I love those conversations yeah. um, when they come up because mm-hmm. not in my relationship, but just with other men in particular, mm-hmm. especially men that that think that way. Like, yeah, but I make this much money. So that means I can do what I want. It's like, okay, so what else are you? Are you just a dollar figure? Because right. if you're just a dollar figure, what are you to a business that you're working for and making all this money? You're just an employee mm-hmm. number. So what is your life really? Mm. It's just floating by in numbers. It's not actual life. It's not experience. It's not love and compassion and empathy. It's not connection. It's mm. just I'm making a dollar, therefore I'm successful, so I can just blindly walk this path and continue to think that I'm happy. Mm. And therein lies the emptiness that we were talking about at the beginning of this. I feel for guys. like They were programmed to believe this. The Industrial Revolution, like leave the farms, go to the factories. Like your worth is based on how much you produce. My heart hurts for that because it's like, that's what they learned from their dads and their dads. Yeah, they did. And that, that's the degree of separation was enough, you know, for young men when that sort of first happened, the young men grew up and what did they learn? They learned that money's more important. Money must be more important because that's why dad wasn't around. He wasn't here with me. He chose to not be near me to go and make money. Hmm. So therefore, when I grow up, what do I need to be satisfied and to be happy? That must be the success, like the success factor for happiness is money. And so we've leveraged the shit out of that. But Hmm. it's, you know, it's taken a long time for it to come full circle and realize, no, that does not bring money alone does not bring happiness. You know, having money, absolutely. Like I'm not one of those people that's saying, you know, you can be broken. You need to be broke to be completely happy. Like, no, money absolutely helps. You know, I think if everyone had a comfortable amount of money, absolutely family life would be better, you know, because you're removing another point of stress and another point of strain on relationships and everything. So not saying money is not important, but the pursuit of money at the expense of family yeah, is a very, very lonely path to walk. And it's a very destructive path to walk. Mm. At the expense of heart and passion and purpose. So I believe that men are the most generous people on the planet, like selfless to a fault. You guys like just want everything to work for everybody. Like I see that. I know that. I feel that. You guys are like on cranes, like doing these crazy jobs that women could never do. And then on the flip side of that, it's like there's so much power, hunger and greed that comes alive when the only thing that is like required of you or demanded of you is money. So you think about like corporate greed and all that happens in those white collar spaces. And so the point is, is like how much more fulfilled and happy would we all be if men, if like just the culture around money was based on using your gifts and using your generosity and like knowing that like you can do things like you can make things happen 
And I think that's what a lot of indigenous cultures did. I think that is something that we're just so missing in the West. And I think that's what you do for the men that you work with. Can you talk about how they come to you with this feeling of there's got to be more like, you know, and then, and then where you take them. Yeah. Men come from lots of different avenues. You know, Mm. there's men that are going through separations. There's men that are in relationships that want to get on top of their relationships. You know, there's addictions, there's uh, the absence of things, you know, particularly in the emotional intelligence arena. But the, the one resounding thing that all the men that come to me with is they go, well, I don't want me to be the reason my family gets torn apart. I don't want that to be the reason and I'm prepared to do what I can to change that. That's the first step for most men doing this work is you need to take ownership of that. You need to own that and say, I want to change for me because I know that that's going to benefit my family. Mm. The last thing I won't typically work with men that turn up and say, my wife wants me to do this. Mm. I don't know if it's going to work. I'll be like, okay, man, come back when you're prepared to take the action because I don't want to waste your time and money and my time by you not turning up and doing the work just so that you can tick a box and tell your wife like, yeah, I tried. If if you can do it, you've got to do it, you know, commit to it and put in the effort because without the effort, there's no reward. So my process initially is let's assess exactly where you're at right now. Let's look at everything that's blocking you. Let's look at everything that's a pain point for you. Let's look at your dreams and desires and the vision for your future that every single man on the face of this planet has, but he keeps it to himself. Mm. So I start to pull on that and start to draw that out and say like, what are you actually passionate about? What are your values? What are your, what are the things that are most important to you? What is it that you want your life to look like in five years time, in 10 years time? And then what we do is we go, all right, let's now go back to the start again and let's start working through the things where you're not showing up and where you're not being accountable, where you're putting up barriers instead of removing the barrier. You know, we talk about stonewalling. It's like, okay, cool. You've built this massive wall to keep people out and that's what's left you feeling isolated and alone. So how do we start to remove those bricks one piece at a time? Yeah. And start to let life and start to shed light back in, bring light back in, bring happiness back in, bring connection back in. So that's sort of the process. And it's just this step-by-step of like, all right, you know, most of the guys I work with go through um, about a 12-week program and we just work through it week by week. And it's mm. it's quite in-depth. It's quite intense. Um, you know, it's not a – it's far from an easy process, but it's a very, very rewarding one. And for me to, to be able to witness men doing that work and, and actually committing to it and going, all right, I'm going to get through all the way to week 12 because it doesn't sound like much, but it's very, very self-invasive is sort of the the best Mm. term for it. It's like, you're going to be looking at yourself in a completely new way throughout this process. You're going to be shedding the, like just walking in amongst all your shit and going, I've got a spotlight here. Let's just shine some light and see see what's actually hiding down here in the depths of my shit. And you're going to see stuff and you're going to go, oh, wow. Fuck. That's not how I want to show up. Mm. Let's do it, bro. Let's, Let's analyze why you're doing this. Where's it coming from? And how can we change that? Wow. I'm super blown away. I think it's very beautiful. I can see your passion. I can feel your passion for this. I can only just like picture you like leading these men and just like going through this experience with them. And it's really profound. There's so many men that are starting to take this on. 
and it's only growing. And there's also so many men that like just refuse. And that part like breaks my heart. They're just, it's just, I, I see them like my father's one of them. I am who I am and I refuse. And it just brings people so m- much pain starting with himself. How do you let go of that? That the men that you know you won't be able to help, like how do you just kind of come to peace with that? We know we can't help everyone. Not yeah. everyone wants to be helped. Not everyone can be helped. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have been through some really, really seriously challenging things in life. And it can be really hard to break, you know. And from a coaching perspective, those those types of men are mostly out of our domain. Like that's mm. where when you're when you've had a lot of trauma, it's like, bro, you need therapy. Yeah, you need someone who can really help you unpack the trauma, and from a psychological yeah. perspective, yeah. help you do it gently and calmly. Yeah. Um. So from from my perspective, it's you you can't get emotionally attached to to it. You know, I can't force any man to do this work, yeah. and I never will. You know, I'm not going to beg them to. I'm not going to force them to. <laughs> it's it's purely up to the man to take yeah. ownership and accountability for his life and his decisions to say you know what? I am sick of my own shit. And what have I got to lose by having a go? What have I got to lose by trying to understand myself better to learn more about myself? So, and I think there's, like you said, there's a lot more men that are waking up to it, that are deciding that like they're seeing more and more of it and they're going, well, how do I get that? It's like, there's, so there's more and more of those guys opening Mm -hmm. their eyes and going, I want that. So the the men that don't want to do it for every one of them or every 10 of those guys, there's a new guy that wants to do it. Mm. So, you know, it's a matter of attrition. It's a matter of process. You know, men's mm. work is still relatively new. It's, yeah. it's still relatively in its in- infancy. A lot of men are super reluctant to it. They're like, ah, oh, you know, who are you to be telling me this? Like, what are your credentials? What is this? And what is that? And it's, they completely miss the point of its experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know, if you want, if you want to be better at a sport, what do you do? You go to someone who's mastered the sport, yeah. who's mastered coaching the sport. You know, the, yeah. the best coaches in the world weren't necessarily the best athletes either. So yeah. it's, it's, they look at things from this perspective of like, well, you know, you need to be a psychologist or a therapist or a doctor to help yeah. me. It's like, no, man, you don't. Yeah. You don't. I just no. need, if you want what I've got, here's the path that I took to get it. Let's talk about it. It may be beneficial to you. It may not be. And if it's not, that's okay. You know, mm. it's it's not everyone's going to be a perfect match for mm. everyone else, you know? So, yeah. yeah, I think the old guys that don't want to do it, you, you just have to accept that not everyone's prepared to do it. Not everyone's prepared to look at themselves critically and yeah. drag themselves intentionally through the shit and feel all that pain all over again to come yeah. out better and stronger on the other side. Not every man's prepared to do that. Yeah. That was very healing. Just listening to you talk about that for me, that was very healing. It helped me find a way to to let that go like within for my dad, which is really an important part of the journey that I'm on right now. So mm. it's a beautiful thing to really just let that go because for me it helped understanding that perhaps at his age and where he's at in life to rehash all of that would be too much for him to bear. And that's okay. And there's some compassion there too. Yeah. That's amazing. Hmm. So how did men's work save your life? It gave me purpose. Hmm. It gave me direction. It gave me structure. It gave me all these things that masculinity requires of men. 
but it gave it to me in a healthy way. It gave it to me in a balanced way where I can curate my own path and decide how much of what I want in my life without being tied to traditional norms. And, you know, it's this or it's that it's, you know, black or white or binary. It's no, I live in the analog spectrum. It's, it's any mixture of everything all at once. And it's up to me to decide how much of what that I want in my life and why, and that then allows me to live the most authentic version that I can. If I'm living by someone else's values, I'm not living authentically and therefore Mm. I'm never going to be truly happy with who I am or where I'm at because I'm always going to know that there's something that's not quite right. I'm not being genuine or I'm not in integrity. Mm. I'm not being authentic. Mm. So it giving me permission and teaching me and giving me the tools that I needed to truly understand that and to really remove those blocks from my life of like, I need to live to the expectations of others. And that's, every other person on the face of the earth's expectations from all different areas, social media, from in-person, from men's groups to everywhere. If anyone is demanding that I behave and be a certain way, I analyze that and I go, why? What's in it for you Mm. and what's in it for me? Mm. And then how do I actually want to show up for me? What's in my best interest? And so, yes, it's a a self-centered approach. It's a selfish approach in some regards, but if you want to be happy, you need to be authentic. Oh, it's beautiful. It's like thinking about all the heroes of our films and our media. It's like William Wallace. It's like Rob Roy. Why do we love these men? Because they will die before they do something out of integrity with their values. And that is so sexy and so trustworthy. And that's one of the greatest things that we love about men. There's, I think as well to note on that, there's there's a sense of nobility there too. Mm. So there's a sense of I'm doing this for good reason, not mm. just because, you know, because there's plenty of men that will stand in their integrity and they will refuse to do things that are, are a bit silly or a bit childish. I you see. know, like, mm. you know, it's like you could be a man of integrity by saying something and then saying, well, I'm not going to apologize because I spoke the truth. It's like, mm. well, you've drawn a line in the sand, but it's, a bit of a bullshit line, you mm. know? So mm. that's where if it's in alignment with your values and you need to know what your core values are, mm. if it's in alignment with that and you're saying no, yeah. then that's a very, very different story because you're protecting yeah. the most important things to you. You're not protecting something that doesn't really matter, you know? And men that don't know their values truly don't know and understand their values are the ones that are going to set these weird boundaries in weird places trying to gain a sense of self yeah but you analyze that you start to look and most of the time that's coming from some other place that's not not even in alignment you know it'll be a rule that they picked up from someone else you mm. know i said oh a true man doesn't let his wife speak to him like that so then he gets spoken to that way and he goes well this guy said that a true man i want to be a true man so i'm going to put this boundary up mm. and it's like Mm, no, nah, true man will be able to wear the brunt of his wife's aggression or her sadness or any of her emotions. That's what <laughs> yeah. a real man is capable of doing, right. is sitting through it, not letting it affect him, being right. the mountain in the storm, right. and then being there with open arms, being like, hey, I still yeah. love you. I know you were frustrated right there. Let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, it's rather like- than screaming and yelling and being like, no, you don't get to talk to me like that. I'm out. It's like, pretty destructive in my eyes right it's like back to the red pill stuff it's like that's a rule they would add into their like manifesto or something around just like women should only talk to you like this 
let's forget about what he's doing. Let's forget about how he's behaving and like what he could have possibly done to incite, you know, something from a woman. So it's like, yeah, I I really appreciate what you said around, you've got to be selfish so that you can be selfless once you've mastered your center of gravity. Whereas, and that's what I think men's work does for men, because I, I think they become so generous without resentment. Whereas before it's all like shady kindness. It's not kindness. It's like being nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like creepy. It's like sleazy. Like you can feel it. Like you're only doing this because you want something. Yeah. They tend to lack confidence to even do that. You know, mm. it's, you know, that's a big thing with the nice guy tendencies is covert contracts where yeah. I will do this thing for you in the hopes that you will return the favor in X way. It might be sexual. It might be something else. Yeah. You know, I might, I'll take the kids this weekend so that you will let me go away on a golf trip next weekend. But yeah. I'm not going to talk about that. And I'm not going to mention the golf trip till next week, you know, three days prior. Mm. And then we're going to have a fight because I didn't talk about it. And but <laughs> yeah. I'm going to sit there and go, yeah, but I did all this stuff for you. So you should be okay with me going. It's like, well, bro, how different would that conversation have been? If the week before you looked after the kids, you'd sat down and said, hey, the guys are organizing a golf trip. I'd love to go. Um, this weekend, I'm going to take the kids. You go do something for you so that you can be recharged, ready for the next week. Mm. Um, this is what I'm going to do with the kids. This is what I'm going to do for you. Before I go on the golf trip, You know, let's get the house organized so that it's nice and comfortable while you're there for the weekend with the kids. Yeah. How much different would that conversation go? Yeah. But so many men aren't comfortable having that conversation. You know, they'll leave it till last minute and they'll be like, I'll deal with it then. It's like, right. You're avoiding it. You are running away from it and hoping that it's going to be the best, right? We don't hope. We take right. control. We take leadership and we say, hey, I want this. I know that's going to affect you. So how can we balance that? Mm. How can I make it easier for you when I go? Mm. That's amazing. You know what just occurred to me? So I've been reading lots of Alison Armstrong's work lately, and there was a piece in there around how accountability is actually linked with higher levels of testosterone. So the higher levels of testosterone a person has, the more they feel comfortable in a state of accountability. They really want to like be that provisional person to like make sure it turns out, make sure it works out. And so it's fascinating to me that the nice guy wants this like masculinity and like wants to be seen as this like sturdy, stable guy, but everything he's doing is anti-accountability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's just like kind of lowering himself unconsciously, really. It's a really profound thing. I didn't realize that. And I actually, I've heard a lot of women when they talk about like they're feeling fatigued or they've gained a little belly fat or something it's because they're too accountable mm. right now. And they don't have the testosterone to back up that level of accountability. That's not like the comfort space for a feminine person. Mm. You're not meant to be that accountable all the time. Wow. Yeah. It's very stressful for women. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I definitely know when, if I take a back step to decision-making and all the rest, my wife gets triggered by that a lot of the time you know she doesn't like having to make the the bigger day-to-day decisions so we we had a conversation around that because she said i don't like it like it makes me uncomfortable you know Mm. so i don't mind picking up the pieces and and doing a lot of that Mm -hmm. but that being said i'm also not here to do everything for her 
So we had a conversation around that. And I said, well, on the days where you're feeling really overwhelmed and you just like, I can't make decisions today, you need to let me know. Mm. So you just say, hey, I just, I'm not making decisions today. Cool. I'll make all the decisions. I've got Mm. no issue with that. But at least it's clear and I know about it. Mm. And I know that I'm helping her out by doing it. You know, otherwise, without having that conversation, you don't really know. You know, yeah. she's like just pushing all the decisions to you and you're kind of just sitting there going, well, why are you making me do everything? Like I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. I'm sick of it too, you know, and you're yelling at me about it. Yeah. It's like, you know, because you haven't had a clear conversation and set a boundary there. Like you you, right. you haven't built any structure behind it. Right. So it's supremely unstable and it just right. collapses. Every time it happens, it just boom, collapses. Then when you rebuild, then boom, it collapses again. But you have that conversation and it's just like, hey, if this happens, just tell me this in mm-hmm. this language and I've got it. I'll just mm. take care of all of it. And, you know, knowing that the next day we're going to go back to square one, mm. you know, we're going to come back to here the next day. I'll do it today. Tomorrow we're getting back on track, you know, or even later in the day, it'll be like, Hey, I need you to make this decision because it's not a decision I'm going to make on my own, or it's a decision that mostly impacts you. What is your choice? You know, right. cause it's, it's not for me to make decisions on behalf of my wife. Right. Right. That's right. Not. It's like she still needs to be included. So even if she goes, I'm having a day, it's a no. It's like that's not an open golden ticket for me to go and just make decisions on everything that I want. You know, it's a, you've, there still needs to be a layer of trust and respect built behind it. Mm, I love that. And everything that you're saying, it leads me to an analogy around work. It's like so many of these men are high achieving men that do great at their jobs. I'm sure they have like weekly check-ins with their employees where they ask questions like, how are things going? Is there anything you Mm. need to do your job better? (laughs) Like they ask these questions at work super naturally. There's such a hard time converting that conversation home. Mm -hmm. And what you've demonstrated is such a beautiful way of doing that and how much clarity and just trust it builds. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, it's a struggle. And yes, I get there's a, there's a high demand for guys at work you know there's a high physical demand in some jobs there's a high mental load mm-hmm. you know there's a high mm-hmm. emotional load depending on what kind of job they do yes we get home yes we're tired but our wives have got jobs too or they're mm-hmm. a stay-at-home mom and they've been dealing with kids all day so we get home and we're done we just want to check out mm-hmm. we just want to move and get, you know go watch tv or we want to go play video games or do yeah. something or you know we might just play with the kids for a little bit and because we love the kids and yeah. You get the kids in the bed, then we sit down and we watch TV and we never have that check-in. And you ask guys like, well, why don't you ask your wife? And a lot of us are like, oh, I just, I can't hear it or I don't want to hear it or, mm. you know, it's, I just, I'm not prepared to to listen to that because, you know, my job's harder. Mm. A lot of those kinds of reasons and logic get, get sort of tied in behind it. Mm. But it's like, well, is that the problem? Or is the problem that you don't know how to have those conversations right? and you don't know how to hold the space for her emotions. So you feel like if you get home and she starts complaining that she's having a tough day, the kids are yelling and, you know, she just needs you to get home and, you know, take care of a few things. And you're like, yeah, but I'm tired. And it it becomes an attacking conversation and they don't know how to navigate those attacking conversations and realize that that is just how she feels right now. It's not a forever thing it's like at the moment this is how she feels she feels like you got home you're you've you know sat in the car you listen to music or a podcast or whatever on your way home you get home you go and do what you want to do while she's still in the shit she's still dealing with all the problems and all the energy from the kids and yeah she feels alone Mm. and so she's hurt 
And what did I say earlier? Hurt people hurt people, even mm-hmm. on a small level, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's, she wants you to feel her hurt. And if you can't be grounded and open and just hear that and feel it and validate it, it's like, yeah, hey, I see that's, I can absolutely see how you feel like that. Wow. You know, I can feel that it is hard for you dealing with the kids. You love the kids, you love being with the kids, but it is a hard job mentally. Mm. And I can see that when I get home, you just need a little bit of support. You need to be heard. You need to know that you're doing a good job. You need to know that I love you and that we're in it together. So you need my help, you know, and then I have the opportunity to step up and help and provide to her. So when we talk about being providers, it's more than just financial fellas. It's more than just money. It is providing love. It's providing support. It's providing an emotional blanket and a comfort level that your wife will need for you guys to remain connected. When we don't do that, we just drive wedges in and we don't even see it. We're just, you know, building the wall again. Totally. Oh God. I love how we've like come full circle to the, the whole point at the beginning around like you love that the woman in your life has different priorities from yours because if she didn't have different priorities, your life would be it's very monotonous you married to yourself. (laughs) And this idea of everything you just described, I think this is a perfect last question as we wrap up here. When you provide those emotional things for her, what expands in your life? I would say our, our connection definitely expands. You know, I get deeper understanding of who she is and where she's at day to day. And when she feels supported and validated and acknowledged, she feels like she's supported. She feels like she's seen. She feels like she's heard. She feels connected to me. She knows that I'm here and I am with her. And Mm. when I'm here and I'm with her, she feels much more sexually attracted to me than if I'm not here and she doesn't feel heard or seen. So, yeah, as far as it's it's connection, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's erotic connection. Sometimes it's, it's just an emotional connection, but she feels connected and seen and heard. I love that. That's so full circle, Venus and Mars, just harmony between men and women, really getting that when women feel seen, supported and loved, like we're gatherers, like our instincts want to please men. Like we want to please you. And so like, we love you. So Mm. when you make us feel seen, that's really all we want to do. It's so great when men understand that things start to flow so beautifully the way that you've been able to transform that in your relationship. And I'm, I love hearing about it. I'm super happy for you and just so excited for all of the men that you get to impact from here on out. Thank you. Any last words, Matt? No, this has been an amazing conversation. Yeah. I really like that. We got to touch on a lot of awesome topics there where we, you know, dispelled the red pill and the whole MG Tower movement a little bit and was like, Hey, this is the truth of it, you know, take your poison. You can either take the the easy hard option or you can take the hard easy option. Um, mm. So, yeah, I love, yeah, getting into the, the dynamics of a relationship as well was, yeah, I love talking about all that, you know, and mm. it's, it's definitely a process, you know, it's a continuous expanding process. I still fuck it up, you know, I still make <laughs> mistakes. I still blow a gasket here and there. It happens, you know, but the recovery is a lot easier. You know, it's not days mm. of, pent up resentment and not talking to each other and giving her the silent treatment and you know mm. people sleeping on the couch and all that it's a yeah 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 i got a bit out of control there you know i own that you know if i need to apologize i do otherwise mm. it's 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 an explanation of what happened and you know it's 
connection and communication is just so important. It's so mm. important for relationships to actually make it through and to feel mm. loved and supported. So, so beautiful. Yeah. When you, when you take the hard option, life gets easier. <laughs> so yes. that's beautiful. Well, yeah. where can people that are listening, got inspired by you, where can they find you? Let us know. Predominantly I'm on Instagram, uh, at father of the tribe. Um, I've got some links in there to a website uh, and I've got a, an email list and stuff going. So yeah, if people want to jump in, give me a follow, subscribe, comment, go nuts. You know, I'm, I'm just here sharing as much as I can trying to help men achieve what I've achieved. You're so relatable, Matt. It's great. I will leave your links all at the bottom of the episode. It has been a pleasure. Thank you everybody for listening until next time.